Hello and thank you for downloading the very first episode of the Tokyo Ponderings podcast. My name is Ian Knives. I'm one of the hosts of the show. So we plan on interviewing a lot of interesting people who either live here in Japan or just passing by, who are either my or my friends' friends from the university where we study or just from uh, our workplaces or from the expat community, which is pretty small here in Japan. We want to interview people on different issues or sometimes we might just record a dialogue or trialogue with two or three of us as uh, hosts of the show. So that's the general idea, but the podcast itself will depend a lot on your guys, on listeners' feedback. So if you have any ideas, any topics you want us to cover, any guests you have in mind, I will do my best and I will try to bring them to the microphone. The guest for the very first podcast is my close friend Jimmy Okilana and I hope I can bring him to the microphone a lot more than just one time. He's a designer who lived here in Japan for almost eight years, speaks amazing Japanese and he knows a lot about how country works and I think what's unique about him that he was a real Japanese salaryman for almost three years. So with that in mind, let me turn on the interview we recorded today. Today we have a guest, uh, Jimmy Okilana, my friend from graduate school here at K University. We both study at media design and probably we're going to talk about his experience as salaryman here in Japan. Hello, Jimmy. Hello, Ian. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you. So let's start from the obvious question here. How do you find yourself here in Japan? Um, well, I originally came uh, to study design. And I pretty much had what I would imagine is the same picture as everyone else on Japan. Just this, you know, mystical, magical place where uh, I'd like to think I didn't think that samurai and people like <laughs> ninjas were flying around. But right. I probably, you know, had something, some romantic image like that in my mind. So I came to study and uh, it was supposed to be just for six months. And I found myself uh, really taken, taken by, you know, the new culture and right. everything like that. And I wanted to extend my, my adventure. And it's on almost eight years now. So You came from America, right? Yes, that's right. So, and by the time you applied to study here in Japan, you already finished your bachelor's degree, right? Correct. I'd finished my bachelor's degree. Uh, I managed to get it done a little bit early. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that leeway, I was able to jump into the, uh, the workforce pretty quickly, which was nice. Um, the best thing about it was that I knew that I didn't really want to be working yet as mm-hmm. a, you know, a new 20, 20-something-year-old. Uh, I didn't want a job that I could see myself doing for the next 10 years, so that was also a big push to trying something new. By the way, before coming to Japan, had the language, I think, is a big problem, a huge issue for right. a lot of people coming. So was your program <laughs> in Japanese language? So uh, I was what I will call a typical American... Uh, although I haven't met all of them, I would imagine they have a similar attitude where uh, I just figured, ah, it's Japan. They're smart. They speak English. 
Um, <laughs> so I came with, with no preparation in the language whatsoever. Um, when I got here, I found out I was, I was in a very small school um, in the countryside. Uh, I wanted to be in Nagoya because I was in the automotive trade, and, and Nagoya is kind of big for our, for cars and things like that. Um, but I found that the only person that spoke English in my program was the English teacher, which was a 70-ish year old lady who was nice, but uh, obviously we couldn't hold conversation about similar things for very long. So, Just to clarify, that was not a degree program, but a Japanese language program? No, it was... Uh, sorry, I should have clarified that earlier. It was a research program. Right. So basically it was a... Um, almost like a what I would imagine like an artist's residency is so I get to be at the school use the facilities and uh, and afterwards you know there's no degree I don't get any certificate or anything like that I just get the to be in Japan and they give me a visa so easy way in following on mm -hmm. that education topic you studied uh, in America as far as I remember it was University of Carnegie Mellon right? correct yeah Yes, and then you studied as a research student for six months, and now we are both studying here at Kale Media Design School for almost a year and a half, I think, yeah. a year. Yeah. So could you try and compare the design education back in America <laughs> and here in Japan? Okay. So I was doing the industrial design program, um, which, which Carnegie Mellon is, is known for. Um, but you have to understand that when I was studying uh, design, it was pre-iPhone. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was very much closer to uh, what I would describe as like you know, the craftsman trade. So learning how to use tools, learning how to cut, to make. It was about physical form. Um, and maybe the most cutting edge thing at that time was service design. Um, but a lot of that stuff is, you know, almost every, everyone already thinks of it as like common sense kind of stuff now. Um, But what it did give me was a very strong foundation in understanding products and things and their relationship to people, um, which thankfully is uh, still applicable in this, this digital, digital world that we're in now. Do you think that industrial design as a profession is fading out? Yeah, I do. I think um, what would be traditionally thought of as industrial design, uh, which maybe back then might have been defined as you know, attention to, in detail to form. Um, maybe the, the, like I mentioned before, the kind of the trade, the foundations of it are still very applicable. Um, but I doubt you find many jobs where, you know, like this amazing mm -hmm. microphone we're using, that someone is being paid big bucks just to, you know, say it's round, right? Yes. Yeah. Modern designers have to have uh, a lot, a lot more tools in there, in their case, if, if that makes any sense. So you have to understand the hardware, the software. Um, sometimes they don't even build them together. Uh, so it's become much more of a uh, competitive and also confusing field, I think, for a lot of people. I have never had an opportunity to study industrial design, uh, be it for good or for bad. But I tend to agree with you that right now design is... In fact, it even involves such fields as, I guess, management and Absolutely, economics. Yeah. That's what we're... Um, <laughs> That's what we're telling ourselves. We're yes, studying. we're studying. <laughs> okay, so after finishing your research program, you worked, as far as I know, for two or three years as salaryman here in Japan. Yes. So there's this um, 
rare breed of creature that you'll find uh, in the streets called the salary man. And it's very, uh, it's a very unique uh, type of person. So you, we come to Japan, you're going to see them. The guy in suits, they have their, their hair combed back nicely um, or combed over nicely. Uh, but basically, you know, they work all the time. They never see their families. After they work, you know, a 12-hour day, they then go drink until 6 o'clock in the morning and then come back to work at 8. So I had this weird fascination, and I wanted to become one, no matter what it took. And I think that was kind of one of the driving factors in um, trying to learn the language and get myself into to that position. So after maybe four or so years in Japan, I finally broke through. So you worked in predominantly... Uh Japanese environment or English-speaking environment? So the, it was a Japanese company, mm-hmm. um, completely unrelated to design. Uh, right. Technically, it was a kind of a human resources company. Um, great people. I learned, I learned a lot um, there. Um, but it was your typical office layout of a Japanese uh, office, you know, where the fax machine rules all. <laughs> How many faxes have you sent? Oh, working? my goodness. Um, I think... This time, I probably have sent as many faxes as I sent PDFs in my life, which is pretty Whoa. impressive, I think. A lot. You know, I, um, as from my experience here, I worked at a Japanese company for a year and a half abroad, and that was a big tech company. Mm-hmm. So I'd say we were on the stage when fax was almost non-relevant for us. But <laughs> one time, they made me send this fax to Tajikistan from Russia. And yeah, I still remember, you know... Sending, remember the uh, the country code? Uh, not only the country <laughs> code, but all the hassles with it. Because sending international facts is really uh, it's hard. It's horrible. Yeah, the, all, mm. all those lines in Tajikistan, I assume they're still made of copper wires. That, <laughs> so no, it was, no. sending those facts have been also a fun experience for me. How was your career? Okay, so... So I, when I, I'll kind of go back a little bit, but mm-hmm. when I came to Japan, I figured, you know, I had a good education and I had um, a decent set of skills. I was younger, but, you know, still willing to, to do whatever it took. Um, and I thought that I could just come to Japan and I'd get recognized and I'd be good to go. Um, but of course, it, it wasn't the case. There's a lot of, um, you know, you can't really, Japan's the kind of country where it's it's changing, of course, but um, it's not necessarily about who you are as an individual, but who you represent as a, you know, a company or a group. And the, the popularity or the, the power of that group uh, highly <laughs> affects how people perceive you. Um, so I found it to be really hard because if I said, you know, I'm Jimmy from the States, I'm a designer. Um, back then, that was probably as confusing as it is now when you say I'm a designer. Um, but people weren't really uh, very receptive to that, so it was it was tough. And to add to that, um, right when I got out of that six month program, I jumped into the Lehman shock period, the global Ooh. the global financial crisis. So not only were jobs hard to find in general, but jobs for uh, foreigners who, you know, your Ronin foreigners weren't really, you know being passed out like hotcakes. So it was basically, uh, oh, and by that, at that time too, the company that I had left to come to Japan also went bankrupt. So 
it was kind of like start from zero in Japan or start from zero back home. And I figured uh, if I want to do something interesting, do the unpredictable. Right. So that's what I, I decided to do. Okay. Another question is,、uh, you know, from a lot of people who work here for Japanese companies, I see a lot that they can't imagine themselves working there for a long time because their career path is predefined to a certain extent.、Mm-hmm. And、um, depending on how long do you work for a company, you'll get promoted for different、sure. positions. So, was it the case at your company, or you felt that there w a s some shortcuts to, let's say, manager position? I, uh, yeah, it's tricky. And I mean, any culture, you're going to have、um, limitations based on you know, who you are, what you can do, and, and, and maybe where you came from.、Um, and that's very much true in Japan as well. Unfortunately,、uh, although there, there are positive aspects to it as well, as a foreigner in a Japanese company, there's only so. I mean, there's a glass ceiling, right? No matter who you are in a company, there's a glass ceiling. And there's a particular glass ceiling for foreigners.、Um, and it, it kind of makes sense in a, in a, sense, in a, in a way.、Um, you know, there's the language barrier, there's the cultural barrier, there's the amount of、um, emphasis they put on representation of the con- company.、Um, so, although my company was pretty、uh, forward thinking and definitely、uh, you know, willing to give me as many hours as I wanted to work,、um, I found that. Uh, my passion, which was design,、um, could not be completely fulfilled there. So、uh, they were, of course, really receptive when I decided to make the shift.、Um, I still do work for them freelance、uh, design now.、Oh. So I'm not doing any of the, the main stuff I was doing then.、Um, but I realized again that、uh, the reason I came to Japan was to really try to do something crazy and new.、Uh, I only have so many you know, years left because、mm-hmm. uh, my responsibilities are increasing. Um, so, no, I don't think there, even for Japanese people, that linear approach to you know, staying in one place and thinking you're going to continue to succeed or be challenged, I don't think it's as ethical it, as it was、uh, you know, X years ago.、Um, you have to keep、uh, increasing your, your variety of work and your,、um, your connections. And in that sense, it just worked very well for me.、Uh, yeah. I'm happy that we're here at. Both at Tokyo, studying at the graduate school, and I hope we'll have much more opportunities to come. Okay, so for our listeners, just the last question for you for all our listeners who are thinking about getting their feet here in Japan. What do you think, as a so you went through this way of coming here as a research student and then getting a job? Then, for a lot of native speakers, there's a way of becoming an English teacher here、sure. in Japan. So, what do you think if?、Um, Just an average American who really dreams about working here in Japan, what way is the best for them?、Um, I, guess, I guess you really have to understand what your, your motivations are.、Right? Uh, if you're looking to transfer and you already are a professional、uh, and work in Japan, there's plenty of, of opportunities for that.、Uh, Japan is、um, uh, literally dying to get global feedback <laughs>、uh, and, and global input on their. On their、uh, There are many fields in the industry. So, looking to go from like a professional professional in Japan, there's, there's plenty of、uh, you know, scouts and, and、uh, you know, human resources companies that can help you. If you were like me and you are just interested in trying something new and coming to Japan,、um, you know, English, English, teaching English is, is an easy and totally respectable、um, way in. 
uh, it's a great way. It's a quick way to become humble and learn that, you know, teaching is a very respectable uh, um, profession. Um, but it's also very easy to be comfortable in Japan. Right. Uh, you know, coming from the States, if you see the, the salaries, you might think, oh, I can't ever live on that. But Japan is actually, you know, you can get by with very little um, and it's safe. And, you know, for the cheap meals here are pretty healthy. You know, it's very easy to be comfortable. So it's, it's, that's excellent, mm-hmm. no matter where you're coming from. I can only speak from America. But um, the only thing I would watch out for is becoming comfortable, be too comfortable. Because that comfort can uh, be very distracting and lead you away from your original goal that you set. So, uh, and try to, I would, I would, I would uh, challenge anyone coming here to try to go to uh, even more uncomfortable places, like more in the countryside where you'll be forced to interact um, and not have such an easy time uh, being able to speak English all the time. But the most important thing is to know what you want to do and uh, uh, when you want to get out. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Jimmy. No, thank you, Ian. This has so been great. So we had Jimmy Okilana, and main advice is by Jimmy, I guess, <laughs> not to be too comfortable here in Japan, which is really hard, I have to yeah, say. I think we all in, struggle with it. When you live in Tokyo, <laughs> we, we all struggle uh, in order to make our life less comfortable, I guess. Um, and I'm sure we'll have much more recordings with you. Take thank care. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of Tokyo Ponderings. I hope you liked it. I hope you like Jimmy's story, but I'm sure you have a lot more questions to him. Don't hesitate to ask those in Twitter, Facebook, wherever you can reach me. And I'm sure we'll have another conversation with Jimmy. As for the next episode, we're planning on doing something with Phil. So probably we'll discuss current Japanese news, political affairs, or just whatever comes to our mind. So I really look forward to meeting you again. Bye-bye. Ian Nice from Tokyo.